Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I am your host, Jacob Sersosimo. And today, you are listening right now on the Believe Podcast Network. Thanks for listening today. We have a good episode. We're going to recap a tournament, the City Open that was in Washington, that had a little bit of drama and more of a... It it was kind of funny with Rafa a little bit, and we'll get into that in just a second. We're also going to get into what's going on right now in Toronto when it comes to the Canadian tournament and... What exactly is going down up there? Uh, there's a couple upsets, a couple big upsets, um, back-to-back by a up-and-coming American. I don't want to say up-and-coming, but he's finally starting to win some matches. And then there's some news early out of the Western and Southern Open, which is in Cincinnati. So we have a lot to talk about in this episode. We're going to kind of get through it and get going. There's a, a little drama going on. As usual, there's always a little drama going on. There's a couple funny videos I want to get to. In a little bit as well. But let's start at the City Open in Washington, D.C. Rafael Nadal played in the City Open this year. First time ever playing in Washington, D.C. And he played okay. He played okay. Um, He was the number one seed. He lost in the round of 16, which is the third round. And I believe when I talked to you last time, I talked about he was going to play Jack Sock. Jack Sock played really, really, really well in that match. And I didn't quite expect it. I didn't know how well Jack Sock would play in that match, especially with him just not, you know, getting into the sport of tennis as much over the last couple of years. And he has, you know, played more tournaments leading up to, you know, this big ATP draw that was in Washington. But Jack Sock pushed Rafa to a third set tiebreaker. And I don't I don't know whether to take this as Rafa's not playing very well, because I know he has a foot injury, or to take it as Jack Sock is playing really well, and I would just say well enough. And I'm going to take it as Jack Sock is playing well enough because I think he is. And I I don't think Rafa has many bad days where he just plays really bad, and I don't think this was that day. I think this was more of Jack Sock just playing solid tennis again, and not necessarily great tennis, but solid tennis again, and pushing Rafa to the limit on a three-setter. Now, Rafa probably wasn't playing at the level he does at a French Open or that he does when he wins the U.S. Open in 2019, but I'm sure Rafa wasn't playing bad. And so this match, I think, really raised some eyebrows, not only for Jack Sock fans, but also for Rafa fans on, dude, you just got pulled three sets against Jack Sock. Now, he wins that match, goes and plays Lloyd Harris, and Lloyd Harris pushes him even more than Jack Sock does, and Lloyd Harris ends up beating him in three sets, he beats him 6-4, 1-6, And I wasn't completely shocked by this because I knew Rafa would have kind of a tough time coming back from how he played sock. And he's he's been very open about his leg injury. And so I I wasn't completely shocked by this. But I also, um, I think it's good for Rafa to just get some matches under him and move on to the next tournament. I don't think he's that upset about his early exit out of Washington, D.C. Now, let's get on to the rest of the tournament a little bit. There were some good players in it. Kaini Shikori had a really good showing. He made it to the semis. This Mackenzie McDonald guy, unbelievable. I, I, I had never really, really heard of this guy. I mean, I've heard his name, 
but he's an American. He turned pro in 2016. He's a 26-year-old American. He's from California, Piedmont, California. Currently lives in Florida. He played outstanding this tournament, making it all the way to the finals, and he beat some dudes, man. Like, he, he beat some guys to get there. You look at who he had to play to get to where he was. He had to beat uh, Dennis Kudla, who plays well in America. He had to beat uh, Ivashka. He beat him in straight sets. He had to beat uh, Bino Pierre to make it there. So, and his first round, he beat Nick Kyrgios. And so, this Mackenzie McDonald dude, look for him to really, you know, maybe show up and show off at the U.S. Open later on this month. Now, let's look at on the bottom half of the bracket, who really impressed you. And I think when you look at Jensen Brooksby, and I've talked about this young American before. I talked about him last week when he played against um, Kevin Anderson, and he lost to Kevin Anderson at the Hall of Fame. And then he ended up beating Kevin Anderson in the first round here at the City Open. Jensen Brooksby is a guy you want to keep an eye on. He's like that Mackenzie McDonald where, and to me, I think he's better than Mackenzie McDonald, but he is going to surprise some people. He ends up beating, you know, FAA. He ends up beating, you know, Francis Tiafo. Then he goes on to beat um, John Millman before he loses to Yannick Sinner in the semis. And to make this long story short, Yannick Sinner and Yannick Sinner ends up beating Mackenzie McDonald in the final. And I've told you this before. Like I've literally said it a hundred times. Yannick Sinner is the new face of the game once all these big guys leave. Like Yannick Sinner is unbelievable. He is great to watch. He's got really smooth strokes, steady hands. He's got everything you need to be a really successful tennis player. And it almost seems, now I know he almost choked a little bit in the final here, but he's also a very steady player. Doesn't get way high, doesn't get way low, and knows how to win matches. And that's as plain as that. He's very steady, and he's very, very good at the game of tennis. And so I've been saying this for a while, Yannick Sinner, Look at this dude and watch this dude because he's going to do some big things. And he's been doing big things, including the biggest win of his career, which is an ATP 250 straight out of Washington, D.C. Now, that's kind of the recap of Washington. Sorry, ATP 500. I'm sorry, Washington. I didn't mean to do that to you, City Open. ATP 500 because we have an ATP 1000 just around the corner, back-to-back, back, actually. We have the National Bank Open presented by Rogers. That's in Toronto. That's going on right now. And then after that, we go to Cincinnati with the Western and Southern Open. So let's head into this uh, NBO, I think they call it, the National Bank Open, where uh, there's been there's always been a lot of drama in Toronto. There's always been something that's going on. You look at, you know, Denis Shapovalov. He got, you know, made a name for himself in Toronto when he beat... Rafael Nadal a few years back, and Toronto is the place to go and beat someone. I will tell you that because something always is happening there, and it's right before the U.S. Open. This year, I want to talk about what's going on at the, in Toronto right now, but I also am going to talk about what's not going on in Toronto right now, and that's the absence of Rafael Nadal, that's the absence of Novak Djokovic, and that's the absence of Roger Federer. None of them are playing in this tournament, which kind of leaves it wide open. And I, don't worry, I'm going to get to that. In a second, but that kind of leaves the door wide open for a lot of other people. Look at the Canadians could really make a run. You look at FAA or you look at Shapo, who I just talked about. Those guys could win a hometown tournament. Yannick Sinner's coming off a big win in Washington. That leaves the door open for him. It really leaves the door open for anybody. And the names in this tournament are large. You look at Rublev, you look at Isner, 
You look at Gael Monfils could make a big push. Casper Ruud has played well this year. FAA, I, I mentioned him. Hachinov played well at the Olympics. Sitsipas is into the round of 16. Diego Schwartzman always plays well. Tommy Paul put an upset on the Canadian on Vasek Pospisil. Tommy Paul beat him in three sets. He's moving on. He plays Batista, Batista Augusta. Uh, leaves the door open for you know Feliciana Lopez, and it kind of leaves the door open for Riley Opelka. And Riley Opelka is the one I want to talk about right now. Riley Opelka in the first round beats Nick Kyrgios. Now, granted, Nick Kyrgios was a wild card in this tournament, but Nick Kyrgios is still Nick Kyrgios. Nick Kyrgios plays well and is well. He came into Wimbledon with like no experience on the year and made a run and had to withdraw because he got hurt. But he was playing really, really, really well. And then is that still affecting him? Is that the reason why, you know, maybe he's made a couple early exits? Who knows? And I, I, I don't know. Maybe someone else does know. But either way, beating Nick Kyrgios is no easy feat because even when he's hurt, he's got incredible talent where he can do anything from anywhere. And so for Nick Kyrgios to lose in the first round to Riley Opelka means Opelka's got to be playing well. And then Opelka goes on and beats a 14 seed, Grigor Dimitrov, in the second round in straight sets. 6-3, Now, I think there was some drama with this match. I saw a couple of videos. There was a fan trying to get in Opelka's head, and Opelka took it personally and started staring at him and making, you know, looking at him harsh when he, you know, beat Grigor Dimitrov. But once again, a lot of drama in Toronto, and we love it. Great for tennis. Great for tennis. But let's look at some of the other names in this. Uh, Hugo Humpert lost to Stefano Sitsipas. Sitsipas is into the round of 16. Daniil Medvedev beat Blue Bublik. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna refer you to something else real quick, just because we're talking about it. But the match between Daniil Medvedev and Alexander Bublik had an odd moment in it. And I don't I don't necessarily am a huge fan of how Medvedev handled it, but you're going to have to go to Tennis TV and watch it because it, it called Medvedev for a hindrance where the ball was on his side and he was going to hit a winner anyway. Now, I think by rule, that's okay, but the situation just seemed a little fishy on it and I wasn't really on board with what happened. It seemed like just an umpire interference into the play on a technicality that didn't need to happen. And both players acknowledge like that was dumb. Was it dumb? Yeah, probably, but don't break the rules, I guess. I don't know. I wasn't, a, I wasn't a massive fan of it, but you got to go to tennis TV, either on Twitter or Instagram or something to see it. Cause it was, I thought, I thought it was kind of funny. Okay. Moving on. Yannick Sinner's in the second round. He plays Duckworth. Uh, him and, uh, Alex Damon Newark could run into each other at some point. There's a lot, a lot of good players. In this tournament, and the Toronto tournament always brings out good players, and Cincinnati's next, and so it, you know, there's a, there's a lot of good tennis ahead of us before the U.S. Open starts on August 30th. Now I'm going to quit rambling about Toronto, and I'm going to get into what we really want to hear, and it's the fact that Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic, and Rafael Nadal are taking some time off. Now Novak Djokovic said he's not playing in the Western and Southern Open because. He's going to take some time off to heal himself and just recover. Roger Federer says the same thing because he has a knee injury. And Rafael Nadal announced he wasn't playing in Toronto, which means he's probably not playing in some other tournaments because of a foot injury. 
So everybody in the big three right now is dealing with something, but them not playing in these certain tournaments has got to just make you more excited that all three of them are hopefully going to come into the U.S. Open with 20 grand slams, and it is going to be unbelievable. Like, it is going to be insanely unbelievable, and I am so excited for the U.S. Open. U.S. Open starts in just under 20 days now, and so these players have 19 days-ish, 18, 20 days-ish to get ready for the U.S. Open and put everything they have into it. It's the last Grand Slam of the year, and that's exactly what I think the big three are doing. And they're at a point where they don't have to play these other tournaments. They don't have to play all the ATP 1000s getting ready for the U.S. Open. They know their bodies. They know how to play. And I'm telling you right now, they are absolutely doing that. And I couldn't be more excited for the U.S. Open coming up in just a few weeks. Other than that, that's the tennis world. Um, We're going to talk a lot more about some of the other stuff next week that I didn't get into today, but I want to keep it short and sweet. Toronto's going to be probably up next week, or we're going to be close to the end next week. We're going to be, you know, moving around a little bit. We have a lot going into the Western and Southern Open, then Winston-Salem, and then, you know, we're at the U.S. Open. So leading up to the U.S. Open, we'll have some great episodes on here getting you ready for the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open, an unbelievable experience for everybody, and I'm excited this year especially when you think about 20, 20, and 20. That's the number of Grand Slams that the big three have all together. Will one of them come out on top at the U.S. Open and have 21? They're all gearing up for it right now, or at least it seems that way. Last thing I want to do before I let everybody go is I want to talk about the rankings on the single side because we've had some movement lately. Not at number one or number two. Number one is still Novak Djokovic. Number three or number two is still Daniel Medvedev. Number three, though, Stefano Tsitsipas makes a career high number three ranking in the world. He outlasts Rafael Nadal. Could be because he plays more tournaments. Could be because he just had a really good French Open and has had some good tournaments this year. But good for the Greek man to make it to number three in the world. Number five, Nadal's four. So five is Farev. Six is. Dominic Team, even though he hasn't really played a whole lot this year. Seven is Andre Rublev. Number eight is Matteo Berrettini. Great Wimbledon. Number nine is still Roger Federer. And number 10 in the top 10 is Denis Shapovalov. So a lot of good players in this top 10. It could really move, though. I mean, Yannick Sinner makes it to top 15, I believe. Jensen Brooksby, as I just talked about him earlier, he cracked the top 100. He's at 99 just above uh, Joe Wilfred Sanga, who's at 98. I didn't see that coming when I looked at these. Um, but top 10's great. Casper Ruud's number 12. He's making his way up there. The outstanding run at Wimbledon for Hubie Hercotch. He's at 13. Then you look at Sinner at 15. Alex de Manure at 18. FAA's at 16. You have a lot of good players in that top 20, really, that are young that could show promise making it in top 10. But the top 10 is stacked, and it's really hard to get into. That's what we got this week. We got Toronto. Let them finish up. Let them wrap up. We'll talk about them next week. We'll talk about the Western and Southern Open. We'll have more information on that. All leading up to the greatest sporting event in the world, the U.S. Open. Keep tuned right here next week. You can tweet me at Jacob Sersosma. You can tweet Believe at Believe Podcast. We'll have more coming up next week on the podcast. But until then, 
Watch tennis and take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.